chapter three of all along the river this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. all along the river by mary elizabeth braddon chapter three o oh, moment one and infinite isola fancied that her adventure was all over and done with after that ceremonious call of inquiry but in so narrow a world as that of trelasco it was scarcely possible to have seen the last of a man who lived within three miles and she and lord lostwithiel met now and then in the course of her solitary rambles the walk into Fowry, following the old disused railway was almost her favourite and one which she had occasion to take oftener than any other since tabitha was a stay-at-home person and expected her young mistress to do all the marketing so that isola had usually some errand to take her into the narrow street on the hillside above the sea it was at fowry that she oftenest met lost withiel his yacht the vendetta was in the harbour under repairs and he went down to look at the work daily and often dawdled upon the deck till dusk watching the carpenters or talking to his captain they had been half over the world together master and man and were almost as familiar as brothers the crew were half english and half foreign and it was a curious mixture of languages in which lostwithiel talked to them they were most of them old hands on board the vendetta and would have stood by the owner of the craft if he had wanted to sail her up the phlegathon she was a schooner of two hundred and fifty tons built for speed and with a rakish rig she had cost with her fittings her extra silk sails for racing more money than lost withiel cared to remember but he loved her as a man loves his mistress and if she were costly and exacting she was no worse than other mistresses and she was true as steel which they are not always and so he felt that he had money's worth in her he showed her to isola one evening from the promontory above the harbour where she met him in the autumn sundown her work at the butcher's and the grocer's being done she had gone up to that airy height by point neptune to refresh herself with a long look seaward before she went back to her home in the valley lost with you took her away from the point and made her look down into the harbour isn't she a beauty he asked pointing below her inexperienced eyes roamed about among the boats colliers fishing boats half a dozen yachts of different tonnage which is yours she asked which why there is only one decent boat in the harbour the schooner she saw which boat he meant by the direction in which he flourished his walking stick but was not learned in distinctions of rig the vendetta being under repair did not seem to her especially lovely have you pretty cabins she asked childishly oh yes they're pretty enough but that's not the question look at her lines she skims over the water like a gull ladies seem to think only what a boat looks like inside i believe my boat is rather exceptional from a lady's point of view 
will you come on board and have a look at her thanks no i couldn't possibly it will be dark before i get home as it is but it wouldn't take you a quarter of an hour and we could row you up the river in no time ever so much faster than you could walk isola looked frightened at the very idea not for the world she said tabitha would think i had gone mad she would begin to fancy that i could never go out without overstaying the daylight and troubling you to send me home ah but it is so long since you were last belated he said in his low caressing voice with a tone that was new to her and different from all other voices ages and ages ago half a lifetime there could be no harm in being just a little late this mild evening and i would row you home myself under the new moon look at her swinging up in the grey blue there above paul rowan she looks like a fairy boat anchored in the sky by that star hanging a fathom below her keel i look at her and wish 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 he looked up pale in the twilight with dark deep-set eyes of which it was never easy to read the expression perhaps that inscrutable look made those sunken and by no means brilliant eyes more interesting than some much handsomer eyes interesting with the deep interest that belongs to the unknowable good-night said isola i am afraid that i shall be very late good-night you would be earlier if you would trust to the boat he held out his hand and she gave him hers hesitatingly for the first time in their acquaintance it was after this parting in the wintry sundown that she first began to look troubled at meeting him the troubled feeling grew upon her somehow in a life so lonely and uneventful trifles assume undue importance she tried to avoid him and on her journeys to fowey she finished her business in the village street and turned homewards without having climbed the promontory by that rugged walk she loved so well it needed some self-denial to forego that keen pleasure of standing on the windy height and gazing across the western sea towards ushant and her native province but she knew that lord lostwithiel spent a good deal of his time lounging on the heights above the harbour and she did not want to meet him again although she lived her quiet life in the shortening days for nearly a month without meeting him she was not allowed to forget his existence wherever she went people talked about him and speculated about him every detail of his existence made matter for discussion his yacht his political opinions his talents his income his matrimonial prospects the likelihood or unlikelihood of his settling down permanently at the mount and taking the hounds which were probably to be without a master within a measurable distance of time there was so little to talk about in trelasco and those scattered hamlets between fowey and lostwithiel isola found herself joining in the talk at afternoon tea-parties those casual droppings in of charitable ladies who had been their rounds among the cottagers and came back to the atmosphere of gentility worn out by long stories of woes and ailments sore legs and rheumatic joints and were very glad to discuss a local nobleman over a cup of delicately flavoured indian tea in the glow of a flower-scented drawing-room among other houses mrs disney visited glenaveril 
mr crowther's great red brick mansion with its pepper-box turrets and jacobean windows after the manner of burleigh house by stamford town here lived in wealth and state quite the most important family within a mile of telasco the vansittart crowthers erst of pilbury mills near stroud now as much county as a family can make itself after its head had passed his fortieth birthday nobody quite knew how mr crowther had come to be a vansittart unless by the easy process of baptism and the complacence of an aristocratic sponsor but the crowthers had been known in stroud for nearly two hundred years and had kept their sacks upright as mr crowther called it all that time fortune had favoured this last of the crowthers and at forty years of age he had found himself rich enough to dispose of his business to two younger brothers and a brother-in-law and to convert himself into a landed proprietor he bought up all the land that was to be had about Trelasco cornish people cling to their land like limpets to a rock and it was not easy to acquire the ownership of the soil in the prosperous past when land was paying nearly four per cent in other parts of england cornishmen were content to hold estates that yielded only two per cent but the days of decay had come when mr crowther entered the market and he was able to buy out more than one gentleman of ancient lineage when he had secured his land he sent to plymouth for an architect and he so harried that architect and so tampered with his drawings that the result of much labour and outlay was that monstrosity in red brick with stone dressings known in the neighbourhood as glenaveril mr crowther's elder daughter was deep in lord lytton's newly published poem when the house was being finished and had imposed that euphonious name upon her father glenaveril the house really was in a glen or at least in a wooded valley and glenaveril seemed to suit it to perfection and so the romantic name of a romantic poem was cut in massive gothic letters on the granite pillars of gansetart growther's gate beneath a shield which exhibited the coat of arms made and provided by the herald's college mrs vansittart crowther was at home on thursday afternoons when the choicest indian tea and the thickest cream coffee as in paris and the daintiest cakes and muffins which a professed cook could provide furnished the zest to conversation for it could scarcely be said that the conversation gave a zest to those creature comforts it would be perhaps nearer the mark to say that mrs crowther was supposed to sit in the drawing-room on these occasions while the two miss crowthers were at home the mistress of glenaveril was not an aspiring woman and in her heart of hearts she preferred gloucestershire to cornwall and the stuccoed villa on the cheltenham road with its acre and a half of tennis lawn and flower-beds open to the blazing sun and powdered with the summer dust to glenaveril with its solemn belt of woodlands and its too spacious grandeur she was not vulgar or illiterate she never misplaced an aspirate she had learnt to play the piano and to talk french at the politest of young ladies schools at cheltenham she never dressed outrageously or behaved rudely she had neither red hands nor splay feet she was in all things blameless and yet belinda and alicia her daughters were ashamed of her and did their utmost to keep her and her tastes and her opinions in the background 
she had no style she was not smart she seemed incapable of grasping the ideas or understanding the ways of smart people or at least her daughters thought so your mother is one of the best women i know said the curate to alicia being on the most confidential terms with both sisters and yet you and miss crowther are always trying to edit her father wants a great deal more editing than mother said belinda but there's no use in talking to him he is encased in the armour of self-esteem it made my blood run cold to see him taking lord lostwithiel over the grounds and stables the other day praising everything and pointing out this and that and even saying how much things had cost i dare say it was vulgar agreed the curate but it's human nature i've seen a duke behave in pretty much the same way children are always proud of their new toys and men are but children of a larger growth don't you know you'll find there's a family resemblance in humanity and that nature is stronger than training lord lostwithiel would never behave in that kind of way boring people about his stables lord lostwithiel doesn't care about stables he would bore you about his yacht i dare say no he never talks of himself or his own affairs that is just the charm of his manner he makes us all believe that he is thinking about us and yet i dare say he forgets us directly he is outside the gate i am sure he does replied mr colfox the curate there isn't a more selfish man living than lostwithiel the fair belinda looked at him angrily there are assertions which young ladies make on purpose to have them controverted mrs disney hated the great red brick porch with its vaulted roof and monstrous iron lantern and the bell which made such a clamour as if it meant fire or at least dinner when she touched the hanging brass handle she hated to find herself face to face with a tall footman who hardly condescended to say whether his mistress were at home or not but just preceded her languidly along the broad corridor where the carpet was so thick that it felt like turf and flung open the drawing-room door with an air and pronounced her name into empty space so remote were the half-dozen ladies at the other end of the room clustered round belinda's tea-table and fed with cake by alicia while mrs crowther sat in the window a little way off with her basket of wool-work at her side and her fat somnolent pug lying at her feet to isola it was an ordeal to have to walk the length of the drawing-room navigating her course amidst an archipelago of expensive things florentine tables portfolios of engravings louis seize jardinieres easels supporting the last expensive etching from goupil's to the window where mrs crowther waited to receive her rising with her lap full of wools to shake hands with simple friendliness and without a vestige of style belinda shook hands on a level with the tip of her sharp retrousse nose and twirled the silken train of her tea-gown with the serpentine grace of sarah bernhardt she prided herself on those serpentine movements and languid graces which belong to the graeco belgravian period while alicia held herself like a ramrod and took her stand upon being nothing if not sporting her 
olive cloth gown and starched collar her neat double-soled boots and cloth gaiters were a standing reproach to belinda's silken slovenliness and embroidered slippers always dropping off her restless feet and being chased surreptitiously among her lace and pongee frillings poor mrs crowther disliked the guard's collar which she felt was writing premature wrinkles upon her younger girl's throat but she positively loathed the loose elegance of the indian silk tea-gown with its wide oriental sleeves exhibiting naked arms to the broad daylight that sloppy raiment made a discord in the subdued harmony of the visitors tailor-made gowns well worn some of them brown and grey and indigo and russet and mrs crowther was tortured by the conviction that her elder daughter looked disreputable this honest matron was fond of isla disney in her own simple phraseology she had taken to her and pressed the girl-wife to come every thursday afternoon it must be so lonely for you she said gently with your husband so far away and you such a child too i wonder your mamma doesn't come and stay with you for a bit you must always come on our thursdays now mind you do my dear i don't think our thursdays are remarkably enlivening mother said alicia objecting to the faintest suggestion of fussiness the crying sin of both her parents and then she turned to isola and measured her from head to foot it's rather a pity you don't hunt she said we had a splendid morning with the hounds perhaps i may get a little hunting by and by when my husband comes home ah but one can't begin all at once and this is a difficult country breakneck hills and nasty banks have you hunted much hardly at all i was out in a boar hunt once near angers when only as a looker-on it was a grand sight the duke of pofor came over to brittany on purpose to join in it how glorious a boar hunt must be i must get my father to take me to angers next year do you know a great many people there no only two or three professors at the college and the marquis de quarangal the gentleman who has the boarhounds his daughter used to visit at denan and she and i were great friends lord lostwithiel talked about boar-hunting the other night said alicia it must be capital fun his name recurred in this way whatever the conversation might be with more certainty than zero on the wheel at roulette he had been there in the evening isola thought there had been a dinner-party perhaps at which he had been present she had not longed to wonder the name once pronounced the stream of talk flowed on yes there had been a dinner and lord lostwithiel had been delightful so brilliant in conversation as compared with everybody else so witty so cynical so fin de siècle i didn't hear him say anything very much out of the common said mrs crowther in her matter-of-fact way she liked having a nobleman or any other local magnate at her table but she had too much common sense to be hypnotized by his magnificence and made to taste milk and water as maronean wine do you know lord lostwithiel belinda asked languidly as isola sipped her tea sitting shyly in the broad glare of a colossal fireplace oh yes by the by you met him here the week before last 
mrs disney blushed to the roots of those soft tendril like curls which clustered about her forehead but she said never a word she had no occasion to tell them the history of that meeting in the rain or of those many subsequent meetings which had drifted her into almost the familiarity of an old friendship they might take credit to themselves for having made her acquainted with their star if they liked she had seen plenty of smart people at dinan in those sunny summer months when visitors came from dinard to look at the old quiet inland city lostwithiel's rank had no disturbing influence upon her mind it was himself something in his look and in his voice in the mere touch of his hand an indescribable something which of late had moved her in his presence and made her faintly tremulous at the sound of his name he was announced while they were talking of him and he seemed surprised to come suddenly upon that slim unobtrusive figure almost hidden by belinda's flowing garment and fuller form belinda was decidedly handsome handsomer than an heiress need be but she was also just a shade larger than an heiress need be at three-and-twenty she was a rubens beauty expansive florid and fair with reddish auburn hair piled on the top of her head sitting between this massive beauty and the still more massive chimney-piece mrs disney was completely hidden from the new arrival he discovered her suddenly while he was shaking hands with belinda and his quick glance of pleased surprise did not escape that young lady's steely blue eyes not a look or a breath ever does escape observation in a village drawing-room even the intellectual people the people who devour all moody's most solid books travels memoirs metaphysics agnostic novels even these are as keenly interested in their neighbours thoughts and feelings as the unlettered rustic in the village street lostwithiel took the proffered cup of tea and planted himself near mrs disney with his back against the marble caryatid which bore up one half of the chimney-piece alicia began to talk to him about his yacht how were the repairs going on and so on and so on delighted to air her technical knowledge he answered her somewhat languidly as if the vendetta were not first in his thoughts at this particular moment what about this ball he asked presently you are all going to be there of course do you mean the hunt ball at lostwithiel of course what other ball could i mean it is the great festivity of these parts the one tremendous event of the winter season it was a grand idea of you new people to revive the old festivity which had become a tradition i wore my first dress coat at the lostwithiel hunt ball nearly twenty years ago i think it was there i first fell in love with a young lady in pink tulle who was miserable because she had been mistaken enough to wear pink at a hunt ball i condoled with her assured her that in my eyes she was lovely although her gown clashed that was her word i remember with the pink coats my coat was not pink and i believe she favoured me a little on that account she gave me a good many waltzes in the course of the evening and i can answer for her never wearing that pink frock again for i trampled it to shreds 
there were traces of her to be found all over the rooms as if i had been greenacre and she my victim's body it will be rather a humdrum ball i'm afraid said belinda all the best people seem to be away never mind that if the worst people can dance i am on the committee so i will answer for the supper and the champagne you like a dry brand of course miss crowther i never touch wine of any kind no then my chief virtue will be thrown away upon you are all young ladies blue ribbonites nowadays i wonder mrs disney pray tell me you are interested in the champagne question i am not going to the ball not going oh but it is a duty which you owe to the county do you think because you are an alien and a foreigner you can flout our local gaieties fleer at our solemnities no it is incumbent upon you to give us your support yes my dear you must go to the ball put in mrs crowther in her motherly tone you are much too young and pretty to stay at home like cinderella while we are all enjoying ourselves of course you must go mr crowther has put down his name for five-and-twenty tickets and i'm sure there'll be one to spare for you although we shall have a large house-party indeed you are too kind but i couldn't think faltered isola with a distressed look she knew that lostwithiel was watching her from his vantage-ground ever so far above her head a man of six feet two has considerable advantages at a billiard-table and in a quiet flirtation carried on in public if it is a chaperone you are thinking about i'll take care of you urged good mrs crowther no it isn't on that account mrs bainham offered to take me in her party but i really would much rather not be there it would seem horrid to me to be dancing in a great dazzling room among happy people while martin is in burma perhaps in peril of his life on that very night one can never tell i often shudder at the thought of what may be happening to him while i am sitting quietly by the fire and what should i feel at a ball i should hardly have expected you to have such romantic notions about major disney said belinda coolly considering the difference in your ages do you suppose i care the less for him because he is twenty years older than i am twenty is it really as much as that ejaculated mrs crowther unaffectedly shocked he is just as dear to me pursued isola warmly i look up to him and love him with all my heart there never was a better truer man from the time i began to read history i always admired great soldiers i don't mean to say that martin is a hero only i know he is a thorough soldier and he seemed to realize all my childish dreams she had spoken impetuously fancying that there was some slight towards her absent husband in miss crowther's speech her flash of anger made a break in the conversation and nothing more was said about her going or not going to the hunt ball they talked of that entertainment in the abstract discussed the floor the lighting the band and the great people who might be induced to appear if the proper pressure were put upon them there is plenty of time said lostwithiel between now and the twenty-second of december nearly three weeks time for you and your sister to get new frocks from london or paris miss crowther you mean having new frocks i suppose 
one generally does have a new frock for a dance replied belinda though the fashions this winter are so completely odious that i would much rather appear in a gown of my great-grandmother's lostwithiel smiled his slow secret smile high up in the fainter firelight he was reflecting upon his notion of miss crowther's great-grandmother in linsey woolsey with a lavender print apron a costume that would be hardly impressive at a hunt ball he did not give the young lady credit for a great-grandmother from the society point of view there was the mother yonder in offensive respectability the grandmother would be humbler and the great-grandmother he imagined at the wash-tub or cooking the noontide meal for an artisan husband he had never yet realized the idea of numerous generations of middle-class life upon the same plane the same dead level of prosperous commerce isola rose to take leave after having let her tea get cold and dropped half her cake on the persian rug she felt shyer in that house than in any other she had a feeling that there she was weighed in the balance and found wanting that unfriendly eyes were scrutinizing her gloves and hat and appraising her features and complexion she felt herself insignificant colourless insipid beside that brilliant miss crowther with her vivid beauty and her self-assured airs and graces tabitha urged her to be of good heart when she hinted at these feelings why lord have mercy upon us ma'am however grand they may all look it's nothing but wool only wool and i heard there used to be a good deal of devil's dust mixed with it after this mr crowther came into the business the dusk was thickening as she went along the short avenue which led to the gates mr crowther having built his house in a wood had been able to cut himself out a carriage drive which gave him an avenue of more than two centuries growth and thus imparted an air of spurious antiquity to his demesne he felt as he looked at the massive boles of those old spanish chestnuts as if he had belonged to the soil since the commonwealth even the lodge was an important building tudor on one side and monastic on the other with that agreeable hodgepodge of styles which the modern architect loveth it was a better house than the curate lived in as he often told miss crowther isola quickened her pace outside that solemn gateway and seemed to breathe more freely she hurried even faster at the sound of a footstep behind her though there was no need for nervous apprehensions at that early hour in the november evening on the high road between fowey and trelasco did she know that firm quick footfall or was it an instinctive avoidance of an unknown danger which made her hurry on till her heart began to beat stormily and her breath came in short gasps my dear mrs disney do you usually walk as if for a wager asked a voice behind her i can generally get over the ground pretty fast but it was as much as i could do to overtake you without running he was not breathless however his tones were firm and tranquil it was she who could scarcely speak i'm afraid i'm very late she answered nervously for what for afternoon tea by your own fireside have you anybody waiting for you at the angler's nest that you should be in such a hurry to get home no there's no one waiting except tabitha i expect no one then why walk yourself into a fever tabitha gets fidgety if i'm out after dusk then let 
tabitha fidget it will be good for her liver those adipose people require small worries to keep them in health you mustn't overpace yourself to oblige tabitha she had slackened her steps and he was walking by her side looking down at her from that superb altitude which gave him an unfair advantage how could she upon her lower level escape those searching glances she knew that her way home was his way home so far as the bend of the road which led away from the river and to avoid him for the intervening distance would have been difficult she must submit to his company on the road or make a greater effort than it was in her nature to make you mean to go to this ball don't you he asked earnestly i think not oh but pray do why should you shut yourself from all the pleasures of this world and live like a nun always you might surely make just one exception for such a grand event as the hunt ball you have no idea how much we all think of it hereabouts remember it will be the first public dance we have had at lostwithiel for ever so many years you will see family diamonds enough to make you fancy you are at st james's do you think major disney would dislike your having just one evening's dissipation oh no he would not mind he is only too kind and indulgent he would have liked me to spend the winter with my sister in hans place where there would have been gaieties of all kinds but i don't want to go into society while martin is away it would not make me happy but if it made someone else happy if it made other people happy to see you there oh but it would not matter to anybody i am a stranger in the land people are only kind to me for my husband's sake your modesty becomes you as the dew becomes a rose i won't gainsay you only be sure you will be missed if you don't go to the ball and if you do go well it will be an opportunity of making nice friends it will be your debut in county society without my husband please don't say any more about it lord lostwithiel i'd much rather stay at home he changed the conversation instantly asking her what she thought of glenaveril i think the situation most lovely yes there we are all agreed mr crowther had the good taste to find a charming site and the bad taste to erect an architectural monstrosity a chimera in red brick there was a grange once in the heart of that wood and the crowthers had the advantage of acorns and chestnuts that sowed themselves while the sleepy old monks were telling their beads how do you like miss crowther i hardly know her well enough to like or dislike her she is very handsome so was reuben's wife helena foreman but what would one do in a world peopled with helena foreman's there are galleries in antwerp which no man should enter without smoke-coloured spectacles if he would avoid being blinded by a blaze of red-haired beauty i am told that the miss crowthers will have at least a million of money between them in days to come and that they are destined to make great matches perhaps we shall see some of their soupirants at the ball since the decay of the landed interest the chasseau d'eau has become fiercer than of old this seemed to come strangely from him who had already been talked of as a possible candidate for one of the miss crowthers it would be such a particularly suitable match mrs bainham the doctor's wife had told isola what could his lordship look for beyond a fine fortune and a handsome wife 
they would make such a splendid pair said mrs bainham talking of them as if they were carriage horses mrs disney and her companion crossed a narrow meadow from the high road to the river path which was the nearest way to the angler's nest the river went rippling by under the gathering grey of the november evening on their right hand there was the gloom of dark woods and from the meadow on their left rose a thick white mist like a sea that threatened to swallow them up in its phantasmal tide the sound of distant oars dipping with rhythmical measure was the only sound except their own voices did that three quarters of a mile seem longer or shorter than usual isola hardly knew but when she saw the lights shining in tabitha's kitchen and the fire glow in the drawing-room she was glad with the gladness of one who escaped from some fancied danger of ghosts or goblins lost with you detained her at the gate good-night he said good-night you will change your mind won't you mrs disney it is not in one so gentle as you to be inflexible about such a trifle say that you will honour our ball she drew herself up a little as if in protest against his pertinacity i really cannot understand why you should care whether i go or stay away she said coldly oh but i do care it is childish perhaps on my part but i do care i care tremendously more than i have cared about anything for a long time it is so small a thing on your part it means so much for me say you will be there is that you ma'am asked tabitha's pleasant voice while tabitha's substantial souls made themselves audible upon the gravel path i was beginning to get fidgety about you good-night said isola shortly as she passed through the gate it shut with a sharp little click of the latch and she vanished among the laurels and arbutus he heard her voice and tabitha's as they walked towards the house in friendly conversation mistress and maid there was a great overblown dijon rose nodding its heavy head over the fence roses linger so late in that soft western air lost withiel plucked the flower and pulled off its petals one by one as he walked towards the village street will she go will she stay go stay go stay he muttered as the petals fluttered to the ground go yes of course she will go he said to himself as the last leaf fell does it need ghost from the grave or rose from the garden to tell me that end of chapter three